0: Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. Be sure to subscribe, review, and share the episode. You can follow me on social media at Galen Trombley. I hope you enjoy the show.
1: Great tables. Please hold for a very important message. Light. Light speed sequence initiated. How may I help you? Bonjour. Security breach. The truth shall set you free. Awesome. It's a miracle. Three, two, one. Mission complete. Thank you. Have a nice
0: day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, welcome, everybody. Episode uh, 248 of the Galen Trombley Show. My guest today, uh, very timely. We tried to bring him on in October because of Halloween, but we are October, what, 26 today? So this is the closest he's ever been on to the actual big day. Uh, Mr. Matt Boyer, he is the tour director for the Greater Adirondack Ghost and Tour Company here in Plattsburgh. You've probably seen him walking around. If you thought you saw a blinking uh, uh, rising from the dead and walking around the streets of Plattsburgh, close. It's just Matt. Um, but, Matt, welcome back. And this is always one of my most fun podcasts of the year because uh, – um, you tell a lot of stories, and I like history. And when you start going to the history part, thats I love the ghost, the ghost stuff's cool, but I really like the history of Plattsburgh also. But you're full of information, knowledge, um, and actually one of my, out of the podcasts, a, a lot of people do ha- say how much they like it, kind of going back into like the history segments of it, because I think a lot of people secretly love history. I think a lot of people vocally love history, but then there's people that secretly love it that won't admit it, but they, they're history nerds.
1: Yeah, well, thank you. I'm glad to be here again. Uh, spooky season is well <laughs> upon us, and in, in fact, the big day, as you said, just around the corner. So uh, lots of things going on.
0: If you had to pick a day of the week, what's the best day to have Halloween on? Oh, Saturday. It'd be a Saturday. Yeah, for sure. Okay, and for sure. Have you ever? So have you done the ghost tours on Saturday before? Oh yeah, yeah. So, is that like a full like? So this year is on a Tuesday, but like on a on a Saturday versus a Tuesday. Like, what's your involvement on the day of Halloween? Do you guys have tours the day of? Do you do anything the day of?
1: Believe it or not, uh, having done these events now for 12 years, um, we don't actually do anything on Halloween itself okay. because everybody's got stuff going on. You know, if you're a grandparent, you're working with your grandkids, if you're handing out trick or treating, you know, if you're handing out candy for trick or treaters. Mm-hmm. So everybody's got stuff going on on Halloween itself.
0: Do you think, cause so when you take like, a Take like the Irish dance troops locally, like on St. Patrick's day, they do all these things throughout St. Patrick's day and kind of like, you know, everybody's celebrating ghost tours are, I would think are more difficult at 12 noon when it's bright out versus like eight, nine o'clock at night when it feels a little more spooky. Yeah. Is it's always
1: true? it's always nice when you can have the, you know, the aesthetic and sets the stage. You can have the lanterns and you know, it's, it's, it's always better in the have, evening. Have,
0: have you guys ever thought of doing something on Halloween? Oh, yeah. Maybe not in the evening, but even just trying to inco- incorporate something during the day.
1: Yeah, I, I tried it years ago, and that's how I figured out that nobody just, just <laughs> everybody's bus. busy. Yeah. So yeah.
0: is your busiest days like, is it the day before, day, week of? Like, when's kind of the, the probably the,
1: just the week of, just building up to it. You know, people always wait till the last minute, but uh, especially if it's on a weekend, it's nuts. Uh, a little little bit harder if it's, you know, in, in the week like, like this year on mm-hmm. a Tuesday. Uh you know, people have to work still and that sort of thing. But um yeah, it's 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 always busy. I, I uh I would think like you know when you have people that have like
0: costume parties and stuff and like all of Ridley's has a big costume party every year, but it's always nice when it's like right before the main day of Halloween. It's cool when it's on Halloween, but usually it's like if it's on Tuesday and you have, like, your big blowout on, like, a Friday or Saturday party-wise, it's mm-hmm. always cool because the anticipation's there. Yeah. I feel like it's the same thing leading up to the actual Halloween. People want to be kind of, like, in the mood but yeah. don't really care if it's – it's kind of like Christmas. It's all the buildup and, like, yeah. Christmas Day is cool. But, like, the next day, you're like, okay, I'm moving on.
1: Yeah, it's the weekend before usually. Yeah. Uh, you, you get some people that come the weekend after who are busy the weekend before but, it, you know.
0: So this year, any new additions to the uh, the tour, any, any new – uh I guess, things that you've tried out this
1: year relative to past years? Well, I've always got irons in the fire, you know, work, <laughs> working on new stuff. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm only one person, so logistics sometimes is what it comes down to. Uh, definitely working on some new uh, top secret tours okay. uh, that I haven't revealed to the public yet. But uh, this year, because the weather has been so lovely over the past, you know, uh, you know season, uh, we were really kind of focusing a lot on the mansion we are doing tours at the Hartwell Mansion, um, focusing on that this season, especially since that's that's kind of got a, a finite lifetime that we'll be able to host it.
0: So how, how often are you doing the, the Hartwell? And then, again, with that, have you changed up the tour of Hartwell? Has it stayed pretty consistent, or do you kind of tweak each tour? You know, each week you add maybe a different room or a few different stories here and there.
1: Yeah, it definitely uh, it's kind of an organic thing. It depends on the group. It depends on uh, how much time we've got. Uh, during the summer, we were adding a little bit more lengthy, uh, you know, stories and uh, taking people down actually into the basement. Uh, you know, this time of year, there's just such a volume of people. We don't really have the time to do all the little nooks and crannies, uh, but it's, it's still a lot of fun. Uh,
0: so how many rooms are in the mansion?
1: Well, that's hard to say because um, originally it had 19 rooms and then the nuns while they lived there they expanded it to somewhere around 30 rooms uh, and now it's it's less than that because there's been modifications done to the house in the meantime so uh, you'd probably have to check the real estate listing to get the exact current I was going to say
0: I can, I can <laughs> check I can check all the extras um yeah.
1: Hartwell I think it's 10 bathrooms
0: so again I deal you know with real estate when you see these houses when they have that many bathrooms yeah. head, I'm like how many like I, I saw something the other day, that like seven beds, 10 baths. And yeah. I'm like, how, first off, if every bedroom had a bath, which makes sense, and then you have just three other random bathrooms throughout the house, which I'm assuming are probably half baths, like mm-hmm. at different floor levels where you don't have to go into the property. But that just seems like a lot of bathrooms. And I've been into homes that have, I think the most might have been five or six bathrooms. And it was the same thing. I'm like, we just got a random bathroom here. Like who's going to use this bathroom unless they're too lazy to walk to the other side of the house, which mm. maybe, but... It, it just—I always find that bathrooms are funny because how many bathrooms do you need in a, in a house at
1: one time? There, there's even a random bathroom in the basement. You never know. Stairs open are it, tough, right? <laughs> you open the door and you know you're doing laundry. And so, what, what part of the mansion is your favorite? Um, And what year was it built? Uh, it was completed in 1873. Um, so wild. it's, a, Yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful property. And uh, my my favorite parts of it are the original portions of the house. You know, obviously there's been changes to it made over the years, but you know the downstairs, the ballroom, the front parlor, the the, the main uh, foyer when you come in, all very very much original.
0: Hey, Matt, these are all pretty pretty recent photos. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I mean, it's it's a lot of like parquet floors, that's, and
1: that's actually my stuff on the table there that oh, I use that? for the tours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, but yeah, I mean the woodwork here is beautiful too, and. Yeah, is but, that wallpaper? Wallpaper, kind of like a plaster, almost. Yeah, uh,
1: there's a lot of a lot of plaster and lath, a lot of wallpaper. Uh, the amazing thing, though, is that when the nuns lived there for you know over 80 years, they took very, very good care of it. You know, it wasn't modernized in a lot of ways that would have been detrimental to the original you know fabric of the house it wasn't painted and, and uh and that's wallpaper it is okay i'm like
0: <laughs> sorry sorry keep going am i gotta ask you before i go yeah. past this photo
1: so the the current owners of the house as i understand it the father was an executive for imperial wallpaper at one time so there's all sorts of interesting wallpapers throughout the house wow
0: oh, this is wild I mean, the the wood itself is beautiful. Like the big wooden doors that swing open.
1: Yeah, those are 11 feet tall.
0: That's wild.
1: Yep. Each one of them weighs, you know, hundreds of pounds, six inches thick. Do you go into this section? The, that's the kitchen. Yeah, not so much. <laughs> okay. I was going to
0: say, I'm, I'm assuming that's been, that's obviously modern. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, it's beautiful. Yeah. The wood. So is this the, I know we've talked about before, but the spookiest places you've ever been? Is this considered it, or have you been? Obviously, you can venture out. have been to Salem, been, I mean, is there places where you're like that is by far the spookiest, creepiest place I've ever been to?
1: Mm, one of the creepier places I'd been to. Uh, I mean, I don't profess to be uh, sensitive or anything like that, but one of the places I went to in my travels that you could really get a vibe was uh, the Lizzie Borden House. Okay, in, yeah. in uh, Fall River, Mass. Yep. That was where the the Lizzie Borden axe murders took place. And the way that they had it set up, they had the house very much restored exactly like it was on the day that the murders happened. And, you know, this was in the 1800s, but they had cameras. They had um, police photographers come in and take these huge photographs of the different rooms. So they were able to look at those photographs and exactly recreate And they've got the crime scene photos hanging on the wall. So it looks like you're there. And the only thing missing is the dead person in the photo. Like it it was very eerie, very eerie. Um, I think.
0: So when you think of like spooky stuff, and and last time I think you were on, we had Anna here and she's just like loves that kind of stuff. Um, And she was going off and like, you know, like feelings and things that people get from that. And I think. I guess my question is, when someone thinks of something that's in regards to the spooky or extra—I want to say extra—what is it called? Spooky or paranormal? Paranormal. There, I was going to say extraterrestrial. I'm like, we don't have ET right now. (laughs) But do you think it's more of a physical or an emotional thing? Meaning, is it more like in the mental state, or do you think that people physically get a feeling and like, oh, like I like a shiver, versus like I'm just I'm I'm assuming or I'm thinking almost like a placebo effect. Like I'm thinking that it's spooky because you're telling me it's spooky. So therefore, now I'm like, oh my god, it's spooky. Where it's like, is something, you know, is there a monster under your bed as a kid? I'm like, there's no monster under your bed, but as a kid, you like, you're mentally thinking it. it's not like you feel there's a monster, but you, it like goes into your head and then you get it into your body. Do you is there anything that you know of how that would, how someone might get spooked? Is it more like hits from an, like a mental emotional standpoint into the physical, or do you think it comes from the physical into the mental?
1: Well, there's so many theories. I mean, like you said, there could possibly be in some cases, a placebo effect where people are in that mindset to mm-hmm. expect something. You know, there's this expectation, so your senses try to, you know, fill in. But then there's other cases where, you know, I, some people speculate that there's more to it than that, that there's like uh, electromagnetic fields and things like that that start to mess with your 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 body's uh, actual, you know, Uh, balance and whatnot and that makes makes you have this off feeling you know I, i know ghost hunters have done um episodes where they had equipment that would search for spots in a house where there would be these electrical fields and they said that just the point of someone being in that space would make them feel strange because of the, uh, you know, the radiant energy uh, and it could be coming from bad wiring. It could be coming from multiple different, uh, you know,
0: well, what do you think?
1: So this is what I
0: always feel when you talk about like the paranormal, or you think of like things beyond our comprehension. So, you know, there's obviously the idea of death, like death is all around us. It's, you know, I heard this line the other day. It's you know, it's basically one guarantee in life for every single person. Like everybody's going to experience it, and it's and basically being born is you're now given a like a terminal illness, like at the day you were born, which is just life. Like eventually, you're going to run out, and so you think like death's all around us. You have people, obviously, it's very big in like the uh, you know the. Uh, like the Mexican culture, they have a lot of, you know, the Day of the Dead, and they mm-hmm. have all these, which is, um, it's not, when's the Day of the Dead? Is it Halloween or is it the day after Halloween? All Souls Day?
1: I'd have to look. I, yeah, I am going to say, <laughs> I'm going to look it up,
0: but like, but they have, but they really like death is, is, you know, very much celebrated in those communities and, and that, in and that culture. So you look at that, and you look at, you know, the idea of, um, Kind of like out of body experiences. So you think of just simply like deja vu. Like I, I feel like I've experienced this before, but like I haven't. But I just had one of those. I had it t- happen twice last week. Where I'm like, I've already thought about this scenario, but it hadn't happened yet. So then you start work, wondering, like the the idea of like other universes and other you know how that things are more connected in different um, you know where we live in our universe, but there's a parallel universe and you mm-hmm. start going, what, what is that? The law of relativity or whatever, or, or quantum, what was it? Yeah, quantum string theory. theory string you get theory. into that sort of thing. Yeah. So it starts going out. So there's like, I think there's a lot more that our civilization hasn't even comprehended yet to really kind of identify, even though I feel like we're starting to like go down these pathways that eventually might be scientifically proven, even though right now it's like, is it science? Is it feelings? Is it like just speculation? Um, how does that tie into a lot of like, cause again, I'd say the spooky paranormal death ghosts, all these kind of tie together. And then are we experiencing when people say they see ghosts, like, is that just something in their own mind? Is that cause there's people that are doubters, there's people that are hundred percent believers. And then it's like, well, he's like people that have like, quote unquote died, but then have come back and like, can like say, this is what I saw in death. So then it's like, wait, did they actually dip into the afterlife and then get revived back into this, into the physical life we know now. So I always like look at these things and it's, it's weird because it's not really a good explanation, but I feel like all these little moments are kind of like tapping into like a whole nother part of our world that we don't even know exists. It's almost like going through a, it's like going through a, uh, a trap door and all of a sudden you're like, Oh my God, this is on the other side of the wall. And we didn't even know this was a real thing. I know that's a big all over the place there, but I'm tying it back into like, what 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 can be said by stuff like that with like the paranormal and the spooky and the things that you know, or what you might um, connect to, you know, maybe alternative universes or the afterlife or things that we may not have physically firsthand experience, but we're starting to maybe get like little blips on the radar of like, eventually we'll connect these dots.
1: I mean that's fascinating stuff. I, I've been into that, you know, into those theories since I was a little kid. People, people ask me those types of questions, and first, my first knee-jerk reaction is always, "Well, I've never been dead before, so I don't really know for sure." Safe but, answer, yeah. You know, uh, you know, there's a famous quote by Mark Twain, and he says uh he said, well, I was dead for billions and billions of years before I was born, and it didn't cause me the slightest inconvenience. <laughs> so, you know, it's hard to say. But if you start getting into the hypothetical and, and that sort of thing, you know, there's some people that they speculate that we're, we're all made up of materials that's been floating around for billions and billions and billions of years, since mm-hmm. the beginning of the galaxy, you know, the, the Big Bang, the beginning of the universe. And they say that... Uh, you know, you get into atomic theory where particles attract one another like particles and they do different things when they're in proximity. So what's to say that if there's particles in you that date back to some point in the early part of the universe and you're near another person that has some similar particles in them and it causes them to vibrate when you're near one another or something, you know, there's so many, uh, off the wall theories. Um, yeah, it's 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 kind of mind-blowing when you when you start going down the rabbit hole. I uh so I watched
0: a video or this was like a I think it was a documentary. This might have been about a year ago and it might have been on Netflix. It was about infinity. Did you watch that? I haven't was, seen that one. It was something about infinity and um why I'm doing this, I'm going to try to figure out what it was actually called. But the whole thing that so number one, like when, when you die, you're supposed to like, most things get reborn in some capacity. So they are saying the energy of your body eventually breaks down and oh, then sure. it can come back into something sure. else. So really the idea of like if you get cremated or just kind of thrown out or, or decomposed, that your body then goes back into the earth and comes back out as a different energy source. So well, that's, yeah.
1: I mean, you, you can't you ta- can't take something and make it into nothing. There's a, f- you know, a finite amount of energy in the universe. It, you, you can't. Destroy it, you know, it has to become something else. So if you say for instance take a log and you throw it in the fire Mm -hmm. The log disappears. It's gone, but it's not it turns into light and heat and smoke and particles and you know So it's become all these other compounds So
0: yeah, and so this is the this is it's called a trip to infinity this came out on Netflix I think it's still on and What's cool about it is and I'll give you just kind of the brief it's only an hour, and nineteen minutes, so it's a quick watch. But it says eminent uh, mathematicians, particle physicists, and cosmologists dive into dive into infinity and its mind bending in- implications for the universe. Mm. And what they started to say was, again, this is probably more on the par- particle physicist part of it. They said that when, um, uh, you know, your energy breaks down and you t- and you you know die and your body starts to decompose, however that does that it goes back into the earth and the idea is that you were born from the earth and go back into the earth and that your particles break down and they go in that could be a tree it could form a fruit it could form a bug it could form like basic so the idea is like is the the stuff that's made in me and in you and in everybody else is it from billions of other little things piece of grass dirt water leaf plant bug another person that they all kind of come together and eventually produce what we have now. And one of the things they said in this, which is a wild, and again, I don't know how long this takes, but they used the term of an apple. They said, if you put an apple in a box, seal tight box, no oxygen, and just left it there, they said over time, that apple would start to decay and it would break down. And it would break down so much that the amount of heat, the energy given off by that apple, was some like incredible amount of uh, uh, degree of heat. It was in like an absurd amount. Like, and they said what happens is it would heat up so much that everything would break down, and, the, and just the energy would create this heat. And they said what would happen is this apple would break down, create this heat, and then eventually it would grow back into an apple. Hmm. So, and it was it's in this documentary. They go, there's like a, a five ten minute little, little segment on that, and it basically talks about the idea that. Everything breaks back down, and I don't know if why it was a vacuum sealed. Like if that, I, I don't know. Again, I'm, I'm going off of trying to remember this from a year ago. But the idea was at a certain amount of time that Apple would break down and then would come back. So if you came back and whatever however long that process took, you would get the initial Apple back. Yeah. But it went through this entire full circle process to break <laughs> it's down. Mind come blowing. Back. Yeah, and so, and that's when I start looking at this stuff. And I'm not. I I like the idea of science. I was very poor at science in school, but the idea that there's so much more out there to stuff, and then sure. that blows my mind when you think of everything that's had to happen in the the universe as we know it to be able to make all these things happen perfectly.
1: Well, to be able to make you and me, you know you, you listen to people like Neil deGrasse Tyson, and they talk about these incredible, you know, yeah. concepts. And uh, like like for example, there are elements of you know, minerals and things like that that are in your body in my body that were literally created in the heart of a star like because of the yeah. tons and tons of pressure and they they know through science that that's where those elements originated so that means parts of what is you now mm-hmm. floated around through the, the cosmos for billions of years before it finally somehow came to this planet landed on the surface went through the water cycle whatever we're taken up by dinosaurs that died, that decomposed, taken up by plants that died, that decomposed millions of years until it finally becomes you. Mm-hmm. I mean, that just, it boggles yeah. the mind.
0: Yeah, and, and I think, uh, you know, there, there's one good, uh, well, and obviously that's like just here on Earth, and we start going sure. out, and like one of the, um, there's one video I want to tell you about, and I've mentioned before on the podcast, but if. I'll just say it again. If I've told you already, it's fine. It's worth a second mention. <laughs> but like one of the things Neil deGrasse Tyson has said before that I've heard is that he said if you go into a vehicle or ship or whatever and you travel, because this kind of goes into the law of relativity, if you go out at a certain speed, and he goes, you could go out for a minute. But if you're going at a certain speed, obviously that increases the distance. So he goes, go out for a minute, turn around, and come back. You would be gone for a minute. So 30 seconds out, 30 seconds back. You'd be gone for a minute. The Earth, in theory, could have aged a hundred thousand years because mm. you have got – Now, again, you need a pretty f- damn fast uh, uh, spaceship to make this happen. But he said the, the idea is that it's kind of uh, interstellar. Have you ever seen that movie? Oh yeah. So sure. it's the same concept. Like you go so far out that you age minutes, and then we're, you know the, the world is aging tens of thousands of years because of the time compression on whatever you are in space. And that part is mind-blowing, too, that things can age faster at different... Like, everything's not created equal because of gravitational poles and stuff. And it is wild. It's so wild.
1: You know, if you start reading some of Einstein's theories about relativity and whatnot, I think one of his mind experiments, thought experiments that he would do, he he talked something about being on a train, I think. And if you were... Say you were speeding away from a clock tower on this train at the speed of light, and you looked back towards the clock tower... You would actually start to see the clock running in reverse because it would take... You were going faster than the speed of light, so the light reaching from the clock tower to your eye wouldn't be able to move fast enough. You would see it moving in reverse. Wow. Yeah, that's kind of mind, kind of mind-bending. It was something along those lines, but you, you get into those, uh, you know... It's crazy what those people can think about, too. Yeah. Like, how does that
0: even cross your mind? Um so this is, this is something, I've, I mentioned this before on the podcast, and if you go on YouTube and you type in, um, uh, what's the name of it? It is Time Lapse of the Future. Have you huh. seen this? No, I don't think so. So Time Lapse of the Future, not the soundtrack, Time Lapse of the Future by, right here, Melody Sheep. It's been seen by 96 million people. 96 million views from four years ago. Just a few. Just Just a few, a couple, you know. Um, A third of the, what, the U.S. ballpark? (laughs) So so what happens here on this, and I won't watch the whole, won't do the whole thing, but it's called, it's by Melody Sheep. Um, I've watched this multiple times. Um, And it is 29 minutes, and I'll set the stage for how this works. And you're going to notice, and we might let this just roll for, A minute and a half out of 29 and you'll get what i'm saying i'll talk over it but you'll get the idea of like what's actually happening here and how mind-bending this is um obviously this is so it's kind of got some like creepy like music um but basically it's got kind of like this visualization and it kind of walks you through but it says what does the future look like and the crazy thing is and it says how will the universe meet its end So the freaky thing is, and this is just based on modern science and what we currently know, so a lot of this is hypothetical. um, But again, they're saying how science is painting the picture of how this might work. So it's actually a very visually cool um, video to watch. But it said, so this is the... Okay, so this is what they say. We will travel through time exponentially, doubling our speed every five seconds. So you can think that this video is 29 minutes and 20 seconds long, so... They're doubling time every five seconds Yeah, for amazing. 29 minutes. And which just puts in perspective how long the earth has been around, how long it will continue to be around. But again, and it says our universe has just begun. So you can see, and as this goes, you'll see the clicker start going faster because it's doubling every five seconds. So you can already see how quick it is, and we're 10 seconds in. Yeah, We're already up to two, 2037, 2045, 2050. And what happens is you'll start seeing down below, they start mentioning what's going on with the different times and what's happening. So now we're up to 2100, we're almost to 2200. And again, we are what 25 seconds into this video and you're going to start seeing how they, let me see if I can get the closed captions off here. We don't need that, that crap. So, but you're seeing down below earth magnetic field flips in 2900. So then you start going into like hail Bob returns. I remember seeing that in 97, um, Now we're already up to five thousand AD, so like you can just see like all the crazy things that are happening in Earth, and like stars going supernova, Sahara becomes tropical, like all these wild things that are gonna happen in the the universe, and you can already see like where it is. It's we're now at sixty five thousand. So again, we're in two thousand twenty three. We're now up to ninety thousand. Now we're up to one hundred and thirty thousand. Like it's just. Exponentially going faster. Amazing. So, what's happening? So, we're pausing it now. We're at two minutes and five seconds of a 29 minute and 20 second video. We're at year 284,637. So, again, put it in perspective, we're in year 2023. So, the idea behind this is as it goes all the way out, and you watch this for 29 straight minutes, it is mind bending what yeah. this universe will potentially
1: happen. It, it's hard to wrap your mind around that kind of amount of time you know those big big numbers that people throw out millions billions whatever it, it, say you had a, a, a million seconds a million seconds is 12 days yeah if you had a billion seconds a billion seconds is 31 years that's wild, <laughs> and we're talking billions and billions of years into the future, or you know, it's yeah. it's mind blowing.
0: Well, and and I'm, I don't want to spoil it, but the numbers at the end it's it's hard to comprehend how many years in the future that is. Yeah, yeah. So that's why, and basically, what they I've heard multiple times is that we are we are basically the flash of light after effect flash of light ripple from the bing bang still to yeah. this day sure sure and and eventually it was just gonna go dark and that's what happens like the big bang it's like you always hear this like you are i and i th- it's hard to comprehend because it's all we ever know so like we're complaining that we got cut off in traffic today or someone didn't get my email <laughs> today which is yeah, yeah. wild and i try to put it in perspective a lot if like if you think about this like we're let's say average lifespan, I don't even know what it is 80, 80 something years right now. Yeah, sure. So let's say you're 80 years, like most people don't even live for a century. And we're talking, and if you go back to like the 1500s, seems like, oh my God, that's ancient. And like 1500s, like they had boats at that time at least. And then you go back to like what was happening in a thousand AD, like there was really nothing going on that was really, uh, I mean, there was stuff known, but I mean, thousand, that's like, in our mind, that's a thousand years ago, the first millennium. It's like, what the heck was going on back then? That was like, that was so far to comprehend. And then you go back, even before that, like da- data collections have only been really going on for what two, a little over two thousand years, maybe three, four thousand
1: years tops. It Depends on what culture you're talking about. But like maybe yeah, the Egyptians
0: yeah. are a little bit further back and stuff, right? When were the Egyptians? They were before BC. They
1: were 4,000 or 5,000 years ago, you know, when they were yeah. building the pyramids, 4,000 years ago, something like that.
0: So when you start going back to like, and I think they just found like a, uh, a saber recently that was melted in an ice cap from like 40,000 years ago, but it had like a point on it. Like it was actually like a spear that someone must have used for animals, but they had already come up with the idea of like a sword or not sword, but like a, a, spear. a spear at yeah. that point. It's just, I mean, it's crazy.
1: Well, one it's, of the things I like to point out, you know, when I take guests across the Bridge Street Bridge, which is right next yep. door here, you know, seems like a pretty uh, run-of-the-mill thing. People cross it a million times a day and whatever. So we're talking... Um, when I'm bringing guests across, I say, Hey, do we have any, you know, any geology nerds on, on our tour tonight? And some little kids always love rocks and yep. that sort of thing. I said, Put your hand on this rock right here. I said, Not the top. I said, The side. I said, You see these brown stones? These are made out of Potsdam sandstone. I said, These rocks right here are 350 million years old. <laughs> and that's wild. Those. It's, it's all the same type of rock that uh, sable Chasm is made out of, you know, all that brown yeah. sandstone. And that stone is older than trees. Trees hadn't evolved yet when that stone was laid down. And uh, it was all put down when New York was underwater, when it was covered by a shallow sea, when it was tropical down near the equator. Isn't that okay. wild, you know? And uh, in some places, especially up around the chasm, where the layers of it have broken away from the the water action, you can still see ripples, ripples in the sand where it's you know fossilized and turned to stone.
0: I know that Isle Lamotte, so in you know northern northern Lake Champlain, at one point in time, I think was in the Sahara Desert. Hmm. So they found something. I don't know when it was, fairly recent, probably in the last 20 years or so, um, some stones on there that were, you know, old stones, and they kind of looked into it, and they traced it all the way back, I believe it was to the Sahara, so when everything, the continental drift happened, that was at some point above sea level, and then eventually got, you know, still is now, but eventually was like sea level, one, or no, it was underwater, sorry, it was underwater, traveled across, and now it's, you know, in a lake, but it's above sea uh, seawater or sea level. I just find that fascinating too, that like the continental drift aspect of how things have broken up. Oh, so sure. Like, like one big sure. piece of land and then it started to fizz out, which, the, which is wild. It's just like...
1: Well, the, the, the state fossil of Vermont is the Charlotte whale. Really? Yeah. And it's a, in the 1800s, like 1850s, maybe 1840s, they were digging a railroad cut in Charlotte, Vermont, and the workers started digging a bones. And they said, well, what is this thing? You know, 1840s, they didn't know, you know, yeah. they had little idea. So a local doctor came and looked at the bones. He said, well, this is something dis- significant. This is some ancient creature. Well, they started putting them back together, and it was a whale. <laughs> <That's crazy. laughs> like, Like something along the lines of like a small whale, you know, that would have been in one of these shallow seas that covered the area during a, an ice age or something. And um, so they, they uh, reassembled it as best as they could. And uh, they have it on display over at UVM. It's called the Charlotte Whale. There was a actually
0: before I dive into this because there was a uh, dinosaur that was just recently found. Can you see that? This has nothing to do with spooky. I just think we're just going off <laughs> in history and sure, things. sure. Uh, there's a dinosaur bird that was just found. It's got to be one of the ones that is coming up. Um, and it had a wingspan lo- um, over 30 feet wide. So it was taller than a three-story building, and I forgot the name. Dinosaur bird pterodact wasn't a pterodactyl. It was something similar to a pterodactyl. I I forgot the um the amount of years back it was. And I just saw it recently. It just came up. I think mm. it was forty million years old. Yeah, and the wingspan on it it was weird. It almost looked like a human. It was imagine like a kind of imagine like a human with wings off the arm, so it kind of could walk and it could. Put its hands down sure. where the joints were. Almost had like uh, like a like a bat. Almost like a bat, but had yeah. like an extra like elbow. Sure. If that makes sense. So it was further down, and it had these massive wings. But when it put its wings out, it was over thirty feet wide, which wow. is you know story three story building. And this thing would just absolutely fly. And I know there's it's similar to these, but it was it was definitely a bigger type bird that I feel like could just walk also. And uh yeah, I'm not gonna find the t- the thing here. I don't want to just harp on what this name was but it was a pretty wild um uh whatever animal but it was from 40 thousand 40 million years ago yeah which is insane um and my my question i was going to ask you is do you think champ or champy is real oh yeah i mean i i think so if you had to say like off the cuff one two three you're like yes
1: sure too many people have seen too many strange, you know, occurrences over the years. And I'm not just talking about after a couple of beers. <laughs> you know, this, I'm, I'm talking about real, you know, sightings. Uh, you know, in the 1870s, even way back then, it was a known legend. P.T. Barnum offered a reward of $50,000 for anybody who could produce the Lake Champlain monster dead or alive. You know, so uh, it, it's always been a a uh, bit of local lore you know, that I've always been fascinated by. They say even Samuel D. Champlain caught a glimpse of it during one of his expeditions down here.
0: So when you're looking at like I mean, photos up here, like is this, this one, Basin Harbor. April first, they got a year on this. Um by ninety two, six hundred people claim to have seen it. Basin Harbor lives across the lake from Basin Harbor, underwater caves beneath the Palisades. Which is kind of down by Westport, right? Basin Harbor. Well,
1: that's, that's on the Vermont side. But it's Basin it's, it's
0: roughly across from, I think, um, like Westport Bay. It's kind of like Westport. In that to, vicinity. Yeah, it's kind of nice. southern south, south of
1: Burlington. Burlington.
0: Um, I mean, I that looks like it's a rendering. It's not yeah. like a real thing. But the, the, the most best famous is this is, one, right? Yeah,
1: Sandra Mancy's photo. Yep. 1977, 78, I think. And that was featured on an episode of Unsolved Mysteries, you know, in 92. It's still, to this day, considered to be one of the best pieces of photographic evidence of a, a cryptid in the lake. Yeah, Sandra there it is, Mancy? 1977, July 5th. Yeah, she just recently passed away, uh, I think it was last year, I want to say. And, uh, I mean, it brought the whole thing back to the forefront again. But, so I'm guessing, she took the
0: photo... Um, has she set in again claims they've seen swimming? So that's her right there, right? Mm-hmm. Champ uh, D mm-hmm. Carol. Nope. Yeah. Never mind. Um, it says to my husband's post like thing out there, I turn my head and here's circ, uh, con concentric circles on the water moving out and the post was gone. Now posts don't just appear. They float or stick up or do something. They'll just go down. Um, sightings. Like, I wonder how you get on that. The,
1: <laughs> that's that's the sign that they have down in Port Henry.
0: They say that they saw it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, with all the different uh, names and dates people that have claimed to see it. They have a whole festival down there in Port Henry of a uh, champ. That's wild. And I said so I do I, th- I no But some years back they they did a um a study of the lake where they actually You know, did acoustic, uh, they had listening devices that they had dropped down under the water. Oh, yeah. And they actually got recordings of some sort of a, they said it was an organic, you know, vocalization of something, a creature of some kind. And they said it was making some sort of almost like an echolocation like whales do. But they said it didn't match any known creature, you know, and they got that out of our lake. So something is down there.
0: Yeah, Samuel D. Champlain, sixteen oh nine. Yeah, he'd seen at sea. He saw a sea serpent in the lake with large coils and scales that reflected in the sunlight.
1: Sure, and he was going off from a Native American legend that had been told and retold in their oral history for probably thousands of years before he showed up. You know, so it, it's it wasn't something that just uh, came about overnight. This is something that's been uh, handed down for generations. I always wonder. Like I think it's like you see
0: stuff out there and you're like oh I think it's champ and then like I've done it before and you look and I'm like that's just like a log that's kind of like floating <laughs> yeah. like you look at it and lo- but it's just like floating and I think sure. that if there was an actual sea monster the head would pop up and it would go in and dive back down but I also find it funny if it like I said if it's true it's definitely not something that spends a lot of time above above water which makes sense there's a lot of, I mean most fish don't go above water mm. you know what I mean like I said whale will come up and it goes right back down so it's like they don't sound like these like Chilling on top of the lake and just kind of hovering around like a bird or whatever. So, sure, but it's uh, well, the
1: lake is a lot deeper than most people realize. I mean, it's tremendously deep in some places. Like, for example, just where you cross the Grand Isle Ferry uh, at the midpoint, it's about 190 yeah. feet deep there. Yeah, 400
0: feet. Oh, oh, yeah. deepest point uh, is just off the town of Westport, but that's where they say that champ, well, that's where they're saying ballpark is uh, yeah, it's, that's right across the way from Basin Harbor. Sure. So,
1: that's deeper than any. Diver can go, I believe. 400 feet. Wow. That's
0: crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, is he just one of those... D- is he a deep f- sea animal that yeah. just lives down there and...
1: Well, uh, what I'm saying is, like, how would you know unless you sent a submersible down there or something you, you I'm know, surprised they haven't done that at some point. Yeah. I, I know that they have uh, ROVs that they've sent down to look at some of the shipwrecks and stuff for remotely operated. Yeah. Um
0: you said the one, the Valcor, right? Right by Valcor. The uh, what was the boat? What's what's the name of the boat from uh, Battle of Plattsburgh?
1: Uh, the 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 one from the Battle of Valcor, the Spitfire. Spitfire, that's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah Couldn't that's... remember the
0: name, but they went down and they found a bunch of that stuff. Right? Oh, sure, sure. So, but that one, that's. I mean, what's the depth there between Valcor and that can't be that deep. Well, the,
1: the Spitfire, I think, is closer to. It's it's south. It's near Skylar Island. I, I think, okay, okay. I think because they scu- they scuttled that it was damaged during the battle and they they let it go down.
0: But but that one's got to be a little bit like if, if you're talking 400 is like the Mariana Trench of, you know, Lake Champlain, yeah, the deepest point. Yeah, we're probably looking at, I would say, less than maybe 100 feet tops, right in that area. Oh, that's, the, be a more, that's gonna be more of a shallow area.
1: You would think, but with the entire body of the lake forcing through that channel, it might be considerably deep. Just eroding you know, down, over exactly. Time. <laughs> just just the lake boring down. That's yeah, it, it's wild. I mean, the
0: again, the champ thing is funny, and I, someone told me that on uh, Vermont they call it champ, and we call him
1: champion the champy, New York yeah. side.
0: <laughs> which I didn't know if that's true or not, but you know? To each
1: his own. Because <laughs> in Vermont yeah. they're
0: like, oh, it's champ. I'm like, well, we always call him champion. So yeah. I've always grew up as Champy. I don't have yeah. never called him Champ.
1: Yeah. Yeah, everybody's got their their little interpretation. That's how oral histories go, you know? It changes with each telling.
0: What's your what's your biggest conspiracy theory that you can think of? Uh I don't even know this conspiracy <laughs> theory, but this is more of like a like a like a folklore, but like what's something that you would say like I 100% believe that to be true? Like Champ being one of them. Is there anything else that jumps out? Cuz I always feel like when you start like in your line of business, there's got to be some stuff that people debate whether it's true or not true because then there's a level of like i'm sure you get this there's a level of like that guy's amazing and there's a level of that guy's full of shit (laughs) like i feel like that's got to be like part of it when you're telling these stories and people don't want to believe them but then you're but i think the difference is i'm sure if someone asked you you can pull out a bunch of research and be like i'm not making this stuff up so like then because most people when they don't like champion, like well, I see the stories, but like, is that person legitimate? And then they start, like you said, you start sending out sonar and you start sure. sending out these things. Well, like, that's oh, that's, that's why right.
1: I I always pride myself on putting so much research and attention to detail into my tours and the information that I put out to guests, because even skeptics, it, it makes it a little harder to to uh, you know argue with a story when you're telling somebody a first-hand account that somebody relayed to you that said, this is where I was standing and this is what I saw with my own eyes, yeah. as opposed to something that came from my uncle's brother's former roommate that heard it sometime. Yeah, big from, fish you know, story. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, it'd be hard to put my finger on one story in particular. Is there any that you've looked into that have
0: surprised you? Where you're like looking in, I'm like, I don't know if this is actually true. And then all of a sudden you do some research and you're just surprised. Like, wait, this actually might be – this. like you got led down a rabbit hole on something that you never expected to find. Was there any moments during any of the tours or research or history where just something sprang up on you? I'm like, wait, this seems like this event happened or – or like when you used to talk about the – or you have said the uh, – um, the waterway from hawkins pond all the way down through the water and you, know, you said there used to be big banks on Margaret street Yeah, and, sure. and a how bridge there. like br- yeah bridge and tunnels and stuff and like i never would have known that but sure. like you doing research like could have been like wait there was water through there like let me dive more into that have you had anything that really stands out to you in your research that caught you off guard or opened up a whole new avenue you're like oh my god i gotta i gotta chase this this rabbit
1: well, it's funny how urban legends start, you know usually they start with a little grain of truth and then the snowball starts rolling downhill, yep. you know like uh for example uh I don't know if if you're familiar with Valcor Brewing Company, the mm-hmm. old stone barracks yeah, out on absolutely. the base well, that building was vacant for fifty plus years, and there was always this story that had uh been told and retold that it was oh it was a hospital during the Battle of Plattsburgh and Uh, People said that down in the basement, there was a wall that was painted red because the surgeons had operated down there and there had been so much blood spatter all over the wall. The only way they could clean it was to paint the wall red, you know, and there was always this story about this red painted wall. Well, when they were refurbishing the building, they found the red painted wall Somebody had actually gone in there during the years that the building was vacant and spray painted a wall red just to make the story true, you know, to make it seem oh, like it okay. was true. They'd even put handprints, <laughs> you know, so that anybody who, who got in there in the years to come would see this creepy... Is this you know, it right here? Uh, red painted wall. That could be it. Yeah. Is it the Valkor? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's it. Yeah the red painted wall.
0: But obviously I'm, I'm assuming that that paints a little too fresh to be
1: ah, it's spray paint. And there's, hand, there's the handprint. But the funny thing is, is that once you start researching it, the building wasn't even built until 1838. So it wasn't there during the battle of Plattsburgh, you know? So that kind of puts a big hole in that story. Uh, usually they don't hold up during, for scrutiny, you know, when you start doing the actual research, but sometimes they do. Sometimes you do find that little, uh, little grain of truth that, that lends credence to the story it, instead so, of the other way around.
0: What, what's your most surprising Plattsburgh story? Like I said, that just something you never expected happened here or that just caught you off guard and all, all you know, just in research throughout the years.
1: Well, anytime I reveal something on one of our tours, I usually always make sure that it's something that people can hardly fathom that ever happened right in their own backyard. You know, um, that, that's what kind of makes it so fascinating when you can put people in a place and say, this is what happened right where you're standing. You know, the only thing that separates you and that event is the passage of time. You are on the exact same location, and this is what you're seeing and hearing and smelling if you were there. And so I, I like to kind of try to fire people's imaginations by that. And, for example, right in the heart of, you know, just outside of downtown where the old Seton Catholic uh, Mm -hmm. buildings are, the old campus where the Roman Catholic school was. It was MAI before that. But it's kind of a retirement community now. Uh, It's called Catherine Gardens. There's Mm -hmm. apartments and, and things there. But if you go back far enough into Plattsburgh's past, the townspeople... You know, names change, as, as they do over time. The townspeople, if you ask them, they would have known that that was once called Gallows Hill. It was a sandy ridge that ran down through the center of that neighborhood. And that was where they uh, executed a British soldier who was captured as a spy prior to the Battle of Plattsburgh. And, uh, you know, they, they uh, hung him up on top of the hill. And for generations that followed... Local school kids used to scare the heck out of one another by uh, revealing the story of the ghost of Gallows Hill. And they said that they would dare one another to go up atop the hill on a dark and stormy night with no lantern and no light to kind of prove how brave they were. And once they got up to the top of the hill, they had to call out three times into the darkness. (laughs) They had to say the soldier's name and they had to ask for what was you hung? And they had to say that three times. And on the third try, it was said that his ghostly voice would reply to your question and you'd come screaming down off the hill. <laughs> that's well, I was gonna say like that. And and what 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 year was that, Matt? 1814 was the year that it took place. But see, most people would hear that story and they would hear kids telling that story, and they would say, Ah, oh, that's you know, that's funny. That's kids being kids, right? Yeah. Well, Fast forward to 1923, I believe it was. 1923, Mm -hmm. uh, a little bit more recent period of time, workers were breaking ground in that exact vicinity for the new Mount Assumption Institute school building, the building that still stands there along uh, North Catherine. Mm -hmm. Right off the southeast corner of the foundation, where they were digging, they discovered the crumbling remains of a human skeleton. So... Were the children having, you know, overactive imaginations, or maybe there was something to that? You know, those are the stories that I love. Well, I, I think the cool
0: thing, like, our area is such an old area. Like, when you go back through history, like, it's just, oh, been, sure, sure. I mean, old, obviously, there's been people around for, you know, tens, tens of, of thousands. thousands of years. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, recorded history, like, sure. we're one of the older ones. And, um, you know, I think that. When you start to go back, and again talking about like connectivity, and you like I'm looking at one of the names here, Chazy um, celebrated its tenth centenary.
1: Tercentenary.
0: Tercentenary. I knew I was going to butcher that. So, Rousling on July 16, 17, in 1666, the Seer de Chazy was killed by Indians in the Little Chazy River, and the town fittingly remembered the man whose name today denotes the town. Yep. I. Honestly, didn't even know that's the name of. I mean, I'm from Chazy. I didn't know it was even. It's not even spelt the same way as it was back then. It's, it's a French name, but C H A S Y, and he was killed by Indians in 1966. 1666. Sorry, sixteen. Yeah, yeah. 1666.
1: Yeah, he, he was a, a captain de Chazy. He was a a French soldier, and he was killed by the natives near the mouth of the river. Yeah, and there's a historic marker there by the little bridge where people fish. Oh, right right by the uh, fire station? No, by the mouth of the little Chazy River, like out by Lake Champlain. Gotcha.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, that's for him. Yep. I've driven I know exactly where we are now. Yeah, down yeah, by the, the boat little
1: launch. little metal bridge there. Yep.
0: Okay. So, um I don't think I again, being from Chazy, never knew that. I know Chazy was founded or, or or formed in like 1804. Mm. So, if something was 19, six, or sorry, 1666, a long time ago, 1666, he was you know murdered, then you're talking 150 years later, basically, or 140 years later, the township is formed. Mm-hmm. What takes it that long, you think, to go from this guy's obviously there at some point, like the town, even though it wasn't formed, was named after this guy? Is it just more of like government-wise, it kind of pulled stuff together, or is that...
1: Okay. Well, maybe they were just looking back at the heritage you, you know maybe there was a lot of french settlers still living here mm-hmm. i mean there's always been a lot of overlap uh, canada isn't just a, a line on a map you, you know it, it, there were lots of french canadian influence here in the north country uh, especially considering this was part of new france at one time mm-hmm. you know
0: so. so so most of it is just like i said they just when he was around it wasn't it was just kind of land it wasn't Wild, like a wilderness.
1: town yeah wilderness F- yeah. yeah there were there were communities but they were native american communities there was actually a, a native village right by the mouth of what is the scomotion creek today
0: what, what, what was back then like what tribes were around here
1: well it was the five nations you know that's what they call it so it, back was, it then.
0: So was a mixture of like iroquois or was it seneca well they had Momot. their own
1: territories yeah there's yeah, seneca I, I don't remember them all off the top of my head but, yeah, but was, it was just
0: offshoots of those major ones Cause I don't know enough about, I mean, you learn as a kid, but like when you have like the Iroquois, is it like a, is it like an offshoot of the Iroquois? Meaning like the Iroquois. Well, they were
1: different tribes. There were six nations, six nations, uh, you know, that, that lived in this area and some of them got along and some of them didn't. Uh, but they'd been living here for, you know, thousands of years.
0: Yeah. I wonder, I wonder what was, which one, what tribe was up, up in this area. Because obviously when you start going like western New York, it's still very much influenced by Native Americans. What Native American tribes lived in New York? A little history lesson. <laughs> I, f- I feel like my teachers oh, from oh there we go right here, yeah.
1: Mohawk. yeah, it would have been Mohawk along the shores of, the, of of Lake Champlain okay and then going west. Uh, Oneida, Abenaki? Onondaga, Cayuga, Seneca. Yeah.
0: Wow. Well, it's always... Okay, so Mohawk. I mean, that would make sense, like Mohawk, yeah. Mohawk Valley. There's still
1: descendants of them living here today.
0: That's crazy. I mean, that, that's, that is kind of cool. I mean, every map is the same, so that's obviously very well documented in history. But Mohawk... Yeah, okay. Hmm. So when was, I mean, this said 1720, is that kind of when the influence, you know, obviously from settlers coming over started, I mean, obviously there was a French and Indian war and you started having those um, battles, but like previous to that, when settlers first came over and you start, I read a book or actually I'm in the process of reading a book. I haven't finished it because it was, I lost interest in it, but it was really um, pretty fascinating. It had to be down more in Texas they started talking about the Native Americans in Texas and they started talking about the settlers coming over and then, like, obviously they were at odds, but then you had some tribes that were... um, It was about the uh, Comanche Indian tribe down there. So, like, they ended up, you know, fought with certain, um, you know, settlers and fought against different ones and they were also at odds with each other's tribes. And um, it's a fascinating history, but, I mean, that's still recent history in the United States. Um, Up here, when you start going, like, the history of the tribes up in this area... Um, how did that start to get to influence? Like, you know, you see like the, the French come down and, you know, whether it be the Mohawk or whoever that are like guiding them around and showing them around the area. Um, how does that tie into the history of Plattsburgh with, you know, this being a little bit before we started having a lot of documentation from Plattsburgh, like things started to get built up by, you know, the Europeans or anything like that?
1: Well, there was native settlement, as I said, around here for thousands of years, there was a, a native village, right in the sand dunes by where Skimotion Creek is today, the, you know, Southern end of kind of what is the city beach. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there was communities all down through here that would have traded and, and, you know, had, had relations with the settlers as, as, you know, the European presence grew and grew. Uh, I mean, even Champlain, he wouldn't have gotten very far if he hadn't have made allies with, with the natives. You know, he even went to the trouble from what I've read of, of learning their language so that he could converse with them. Uh,
0: so Plattsburgh Bay, Steranac River. So this is the one you're talking about right here. South Plattsburgh the sawmill. Oh, this, at
1: the... Is, this is Plattsburgh. Skimotion Creek is north north of the city.
0: Yeah, so this is actually right down the road. So we're right yeah, here. Yeah. This we're is right... actually where we are right now. Yes, exactly. Right okay. where that sawmill is. Yeah, I'm trying so Fort Morrill, Fort Brown. Mm. South Plattsburgh Hospital Stores Fort Scott. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so is I remember you told me that the the opening to the mouth was actually twice as big at one point. It
1: was, yeah, it was uh, mostly filled in by man over the centuries.
0: So this is the Bridge Street, the same bridge we know now. Mm-hmm. Would it be the same bridge? Or? They, yeah,
1: they call it, well, not the exact same bridge. The one that's there now was built in uh, 1930, I think. But okay, th- there's been a slew of wooden and iron bridges there over the years. Uh, obviously, the one during the Battle of Plattsburgh was wooden, and they ripped up the planks to prevent the British from being able to come across. Uh, but it was known then as the Lower Bridge because you had the Upper Bridge, and which would have been. Uh, Is, South Catherine and the Lower Bridge.
0: Isn't it funny that it's now Bridge Street? Like we don't even, like you just kind of say like Bridge Street, not even thinking about it. But then you actually realize it was just named because it was the street with the bridge with over the water. Bridge. Like it's very like simple <laughs> yeah. back. Then. It was like oh that's Bridge Street, sure, like, or, or, that... or
1: Main Street, or whatever. Yeah,
0: because yeah, it was like the only street at the time. I, I
1: I always am fascinated by the way that streets get named. There's a lot of interesting stories in Plattsburgh about some of the streets. Like there's
0: got to be a lot of political pull on that. back then, I'm assuming because there are a lot of names.
1: A lot of it had to do with who owned the land. Who, who okay. owned the original land or farm that the road was cut through. Like, for example, uh, Margaret Street, which everybody knows, mm-hmm. is named for a lady named Margaret Mott Smith. And uh, the Smith family owned a lot of the land. They had a house where uh, the Strand Center for the Arts is, roughly, today, where the old government government building is mm-hmm. uh and their house was there and uh both margaret and cornelia were members of the smith family
0: and cornelia being cornelia street yeah and cornelia smith yep well smith is down down in uh the flats right mm-hmm. right yeah smith smith street. i'm trying to think yeah mixed, drew, drew a blank there for a second but yeah and then so these maps right here i'm trying to bring this up there we oh, go yeah
1: Yeah, that's the 1877. Yeah, a little more bustling.
0: Yeah, so this is... So this is the same street right here. This is still Cumberland Ave right here.
1: Yep, and you can see where we are right right there. Yeah, The Bridge Street Bridge.
0: So some of these buildings are still there. Obviously, that's the train station built. No, train station
1: would be down here. That wasn't built yet. The, the present train station wasn't built until the mid-1880s. Yeah, it was 1886. What
0: was this, 18 what?
1: 86, I think. But this map is what? This is 1877. 18, oh, so, okay, guess. Yep, okay. That so, makes sense. Like eight, nine years earlier. So, so
0: this was a rail yard down here.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. Very busy place. Dangerous place, too.
0: And this is still the same tra- train track that you were mentioning mm-hmm. the other day. Yeah, the train the day, trestle
1: but. still crosses where it did in in fact, it's it's interesting because the original shoreline follows along where the train tracks are today. see. But this is all filled in from here to here where the yeah. sewage treatment plant is. Uh, that that actually, was not a pleasant area because in summertime, it was kind of this shallow, tepid, uh, swampy area filled with mosquitoes and people used to dump their trash down there. <laughs> so over the over time, it started filling in naturally. So when when the railroad came in and said, hey, do we you mind if we fill this in the rest of the way? People were like, yeah, that sounds great. Go ahead. Um if you do any digging down there, like when they dug to build the sewage treatment plant and that sort of thing, it's all bottles and, you know, because people dumped, dumped their garbage down there for many, many, many years.
0: So, so when you look at the—so I'm, I'm looking at the name. So you're talking—again, this is the mouth of the river, what Matt just said. If you go down, like Lorraine Street's still there, Miller Street's still there, Cornelia Street's still there. Mm-hmm. And again, if you're people from Plattsburgh, you know these streets. But um, now up here, Matt, way up top— um, This little section where that bridge is—that
1: yeah, that's uh, South Cat—is that Perry Bridge
0: now? Yep. Okay. Yep.
1: That would have been known as the Upper Bridge, and then this—what is the Bridge Street Bridge today? Would have been the Lower Bridge. Very, very imaginative names. How
0: how hard? um, What's this little community?
1: That was called the Flats.
0: That is the Flats. Yep.
1: That's the Flats. And uh,
0: oh, that makes sense. Yes. Okay. That
1: was that was a community of uh, you know. Mill workers' houses that were down there, very small, just so like you know. where Placo is yeah, now. Yeah, and... exactly. A lot of people that lived down there worked in the factories or the sawmills that were down there.
0: And then what's up here? This little, I think we've talked about before. The oval, is that the, a track or a horse track? Way up where the where it splits off, so it looks. That's I'm assuming oh, that up, is uh, Broad Street. Yeah, up
1: on Broad Street, there was a, a that was where the fairgrounds were. At that time, there was a horse racing okay. track up there. And then later on, it was moved uh, to where Penfield Park is today. That was the Clinton County Fairgrounds.
0: Wow. And then eventually to where it is in Morrisonville now. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. when this goes up, so if you look at the top here, these roads, so this, what's this road? Right? That's Cornelia Street. Same yeah. spot. So yeah, same spot. So before I go, when was the when was City Hall and when was the monument built here?
1: Uh, monument was built, finished in 26, and uh, City Hall in 1917, or thereabouts.
0: Wow. Okay. So when this goes all the way up here, how far up did that go? West, Cornelia Street.
1: Well, eventually then, that, that, I'm
0: assuming that's still Ruger Street, right? Up here?
1: Yeah. Th- those all turned into plank roads that would have taken you out to the west, into the, into the wilderness. Wow.
0: So it just stopped at some point. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There was just f- a few farms, and then it just turned to nothing.
0: That's crazy. And, I mean, it wasn't until the uh, the invention or the invention, but the addition of the uh, interstate highway that that would have all grown out west, right? Because yeah, there wasn't
1: a whole lot at where Route Three is today. That was farms. Yeah, it was all farmland.
0: Uh, and we're still starting to see that turnover. Like you go down, like uh, like Tom Miller wrote, there's old farms that are starting oh, sure. starting to see commercials. So like you just sure. see the wave. Like if you were to pull back and just hit like. Uh, fast forward over the last like fifty years, you would see everything just build up so quickly. Yeah. Like I've seen like time lapses of like New York City and how much that's built up. And
1: I can remember when I was a kid, right where the entrance to Consumer Square, you know, Walmart, all that, right where that big sign is. There was a barn there, an old you know barn board, w- really wooden barn. Wait, so what year was that? The... Whenever they built Consumer Square, they tore it down. Uh... Probably in the seventies, early seventies. No, it was more recent than that. Really? Wow. No, I can't. I don't know the exact date, but uh, I know it was. You know, I've only been around since '82, so yes. I'm not, you know. Um, well, when you, so the other thing too,
0: Matt, when they pick City Hall, like, how do they this decide on City Hall?
1: Like, where they put City Hall? Like, that do you property? know the, the history of it? Yeah, there was a at one time there was a livery stable there for horses. Okay, <laughs> right where City Hall is today it was a horse barn, and uh, uh, they were just able to basically buy up that whole block and tear down all the buildings and say, well, this is where we're going to put it. S- same with where the McDonough monument is today. There was where the monument is. There was a whole string of buildings along the embankment there, everything from a movie theater to, you know, shops. And they, they tore down the whole block and to, just opened up to the park. Just, yep. Made it a park and built the monument there. Yep. So, so all the
0: houses that are on Margaret street right now, cause I'm bas- I'm looking at this and I think I'm looking at the right street is, is, um, Sorry, I got this like zoomed in. So sure. kinda, let me let me just do that. This makes it easier. This right here, is that Margaret Street or is Margaret Street? Margaret Street's the next one up.
1: Margaret Street is this. This is what's dirty today. Gotcha. So yeah.
0: all these buildings right here, are those the ones, they're not still, those aren't the ones that are still standing? Many of them are. Yeah. Same ones? Many
1: of them are. Yeah. You got, you know, St. John's Church. Uh, this is the Witherall Hotel. That's long gone.
0: And that's kind of where the Strand is now? Uh, yeah. Well, this, just down from This the building
1: Strand. right here is where the Strand is today.
0: Okay. So that's actually where the parking lot is. The new parking lot. When they tore down the old building, Glens Falls National Building, its ball, ballpark. It's where the spot.
1: where the Witherell Hotel was. Yep. Okay. Yeah, this one right here. And how, yeah. when was that torn down? Torn down? Sixty nine. Oh, that was in the closed logo. in sixty eight. Yeah, and that had been there for almost a hundred years when they tore it down.
0: It, it, and that also puts things in perspective. Like I've never even heard of that before, and that was. 50 years. That was 20 years before I was born. Yeah. And I'd been up for a hundred years. And I never even heard about it. So like yep. you see, like when things change in history, like oh, it sure. just becomes a, you know, a speck in the time. To- yep. in time. Well,
1: here's a good story about that. There is a corner when a uh, corner of broad and stelzer today. Yep. The road that goes to the cemetery. Yep. Right. Well, for generations that grew up in Plattsburgh, that would have been known as Winchell's corners. And everyone knew that that's what it was called because there was a house that stood right next to where the corners are today that the Winchell family lived there for generations. So if you said to somebody, hey, you got to take you know Winchell's Corners, they knew what you were talking about because everybody knew everybody. That's how small the, the town was. But it took on a bit of a more kind of a sinister notation because since that was the road that went to the cemetery, if you had a friend that was, say, sick, Mm-hmm. Not doing well. Say, so, oh, yeah, how's how's he doing? So, oh, he's he's about to turn Winchell's corners. That wow. means you're going to the cemetery. That's that's what that meant. So that was a phrase that if you said that in conversation, everybody wouldn't get the joke and they would know what you were talking about. But wow. if you said that today, nobody would have any clue what you were
0: talking yeah. about. And that was long ago, right? eighteen hundreds, early
1: nineteen hundreds, something like
0: that. Yeah. Well, it's, and that's when you take like. When you go back to the 1920s, 100 years ago, or 19 what, 1923? Uh, so think about all the stuff that happened in 1923. Mm-hmm. It was 100 years ago, and there's very well recorded history then. And like, how many things have changed that since that time period? And and who was uh, like who was president back in the 1920s?
1: Early 20s. What it was uh, Warren G. Harding, uh, Calvin Coolidge in there
0: so you think about like those guys in history like that's a 100 years ago which wasn't that long ago when you start seeing like yeah. things that were happening in it's just again kind of going back into like a 100 years ago is a snap of the finger and all the stuff that's happened since and you go back to then like some of the stuff it, it's so quick out will you forget about things
1: sure my, my grandparents were born in the early 20s you know and, yeah. and they haven't been gone really all that long you know and uh but now you talk about somebody from the 20s, they'd have to be a hundred years old to have lived during that time period. You know, it's just funny how time goes. I'm sure that when I was little, I probably met people that were born in the 1800s and didn't even realize it. Yeah, you know? Yeah, you're it's, right. It's crazy. What
0: When was the telephone invented?
1: Late 1800s?
0: There was something I read the other day that said that someone right now... And I forgot what the technology was. They said they saw the, they saw the invention of this, and they saw the invention of basically like the smartphone. And I forgot what that thing was. I thought it was the telephone, but it was something else. Might have been like wireless, or wiring stuff, or communication. But they said in their lifetime, they saw they lived through like the invention of that to the invention of the iPhone or the smartphone. Yeah, what's mind-boggling is
1: since the Industrial Revolution, the 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 progress that we've advanced. At, the pace mm-hmm. has been greater than I think at any point in human history that I'm aware of. I mean, people were carving stone for thousands and thousands of years. Yeah. And here we are within the span of a person's lifetime. You go from the Wright brothers in 1903, we're walking on the moon 60 years later. Yeah. You know, it's, it's yeah. that's crazy. Well, and, and I think,
0: I mean, and that's why I, things that fascinate or fascinate me, like when you Again, I'm early 30s. So if you think from the start of when I I remember stuff still before all the technology, like the the big jump in technology. I sure. would say the big jump in technology yeah. started coming probably like the mid to late 90s when like internet and everything started to get more connected. Sure. Like and I so remembering that time period and now thinking about how archaic that felt. It's so antiquated. And it's not, yeah, and it's not that I'm like I don't feel that
1: old. I have a twelve year old. Try explaining to a twelve year old what a TV guide is and what yeah. that was for. Yeah. You know, no, if you miss the show, it's gone. You can't watch it again. It's my, just gone. Well, oh, now
0: my kids see commercials and like something's wrong. The TV. I'm like, that's a commercial. <laughs> it was funny actually. Last night, me and my wife were streaming this this show and was on a. I think it was on Hulu and I don't watch Hulu that often, but it came on and there was probably three commercials during the 30 minute episode. Cause they pulled it off of like FX or something. And I remember sitting there and I'm like, just hit the, the like skip and you couldn't. And we're both just sat there and we're like,
1: this is really weird. Now what do we do? <laughs>
0: and it, it was weird because we're now so trained that we're just yeah. gonna watch a show without commercials. And then we're sitting there we're like, we'll just hit skip. I'm like we can't. So it's like, okay, what are we doing? And, she like went on her phone and I had a book next to me. So I actually was like reading my book for like the two minute <laughs> commercial. And it was just, it's funny cause I had a, I had a moment yesterday I'm like, I, I feel like I just went back to like my back 10 to 15 year old self and started like I'm waiting for the commercial change. Yeah. I'm running to the bathroom, getting some food cause commercial's on.
1: Yeah. When I, I was just telling my son the other day, um, you know, when I was in elementary school, uh, Oak street, yep. they, they, didn't The school district didn't have enough money to buy computers for all the schools because they were so expensive, yeah. you know? So they fitted out an old school bus, and they built basically desks inside of it, and they painted the thing orange, and it was the computer bus. And the computer wow. bus would come on certain days to your school, and everybody would come out of the classroom, oh and you'd God. go up on the computer bus and sit. So it went and to different do, schools? Yeah, it would go to different schools in the district.
0: And wow. it was, I don't
1: know how long it was around for, but I distinctly remember being excited to go up on the computer bus. That's why, yeah, I never heard of that. That's So that, yeah, probably 80s? Yeah. I said elementary. Yeah,
0: um, yeah mid and mid 80s. Yeah, because now kids, I think, well, I think kids, are, my, my my kids aren't old enough to have this yet, but like most kids in some schools have like uh, tablets and laptops and computers like at their disposal. Like again, we had a computer lab, like you went to the computer lab. And I remember the, uh, the first one I had was one of the original Macs. Or the original Apple Mac, and then they ended up, I want to say like late 90s, 98, 99, something like that. They ended up buying the Mac. I forgot the name of it, but it had like the, um, the different colors on the back.
1: Oh, yeah, the see-through uh, the panel see-through, on yeah, the back. And, yeah. and you
0: could see all the gears and stuff Love in it. it. And and I actually, this is, this is kind of weird. I took a photo of it. We went to a house. This was probably about a year ago. I showed this property, went and looked at it, and the house itself had someone had one of those computers sitting on the countertop. (laughs) still, And it was actually down on the base. And I remember looking at it and I'm like, I haven't seen this thing in almost 20 years. It's a museum piece. (laughs) Yeah. And I ended up taking a photo of it. And and now, me looking at it now versus a little kid, it's way more interesting because I was like, I'm looking at it. I'm like, how how was this made or built? And of course, as a kid, you're just like, oh, screen, blue, green, whatever in the back. Mm -hmm. You didn't really put much thought into it. And now you're just looking at all like the processors and all the little things they have. And now it's like, Think about a flat screen, t- this flat screen TV or this laptop or your phone, like how small things have gotten. Oh, yeah. Like I carry this around in my backpack all the time. Most people have a phone basically growing out of their arm now, but it's like it's small. It's convenient. You can do everything you want on it. Yeah. And, if, and I think Whoa. they said now like your phone has more capacity than what I think the president's. I think they said like what Ronald Reagan and Clinton had. You have more <laughs> power on your phone than they did at their disposal. Period. Yeah, yeah.
1: You, you see the pictures sometimes people will post that it shows, you know, a camera and a video recorder and a, all these devices in a huge pile and says, these are all on this now. <laughs> you know, it's just in your pocket. The The sum of all human knowledge is in your pocket at all moments.
0: Well, that and, and when you look at how many companies have become obsolete just purely based on like a smartphone. Yeah, And they're sure. like, well, I'm just going to put a smartphone. It's like, well, we have flashlight. Well, we have music. We have measuring device. We have you name it it's like you know the weather the like there's so many things you pull it
1: it's a Swiss army knife so it's like my mom like, had a camcorder one of these big giant yeah. shoulder held yep. things you know and that's all on your phone now it's it's and way better and way better and
0: and and now we start going through how you can filter stuff and how you can just like design stuff on there and it, it's just crazy now when you have stuff like ai coming out yeah so actually I want a question for you cuz i've asked some people about ai and i don't know enough about it to be dangerous but if you look at stuff with ai what's the chances that we start to use ai to relive history
1: Mm. well that's an interesting concept i mean i i think once we start opening that box i mean the sky's the limit probably with what you can do with it like you said I, i don't know a whole lot about it yet and it seems to be very uh early on in 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 the development of that kind of technology, but it's pretty amazing once you start thinking about possibilities.
0: Because if you take, like, I'm just going with the idea that AI, they take pretty much everything that's on the computer. I mean, it's funny now when you, uh, 0.44 seconds, they brought up 718 million search results for computers through the years. Like I typed (laughs) in that. Like, so it's just insane of like what would be on there. But if you ended up, If it had access to all the knowledge that we have in computers and basically through human history and AI is able to generate that, that means they could flip through every article. They could flip through every speck of history or note of history that we could create. They would be able to create – if we said Plattsburgh, you could create the entire – Plattsburgh landscape to the point that with everything that's ever been recorded in human history. Yeah,
1: and then with VR you could walk around in it.
0: Yeah, and then but you would know the sounds of people, you would know and even if you're like, well, I don't know what you know, um, uh the Platt brothers sounded like and they'd be like well based on that time period and other things and blah 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 this is probably what they sounded like and next thing you know you're like walking down the street and you're meeting them and then yeah. you're meeting you know and i i think that that will happen at some point in time where you put virtual reality and you can walk through the city of plattsburgh and be like wait where is where's that street and like oh it wasn't built yet like you yeah, gotta go around the long way kind of thing and i think that will happen and i think that's going to be like imagine kids learning about history by putting goggles on and like walking through, you know, like, like, like a Civil holodeck War. on
1: Star Trek or something. Yeah, yeah like, you okay, know.
0: you're going through Gettysburg right yeah. now and you're physically watching all the action happening sure. through all these accounts, but you're able to see it almost firsthand. Yep. I think that's going
1: to happen. Oh, that's amazing. super trippy. Amazing. You and know, it'll
0: happen in our lifetime, which is mind-blowing. Yeah. Yeah. You're going from computer buses to you're to term, walking to, around getting terminators, yes, <laughs> and um, it
1: becomes self-aware, and then we're all you know. Well, that's that's, that's how, trouble. That's why I
0: think they say it's going to end. But if, <laughs> if um but I, I still think that. I mean, with how much has changed in thirty years, and it's only going to com- compoundly or exponentially grow. That let's say, God willing, I'm another fifty years to sixty years of my life. Maybe 70 to be cool. I want to live to hundred. But if I had seventy years of my life, like. And I've already seen this much change in thirty something years. How much more is it going to change in seventy years? Even though it's going to be at a faster clip, it's kind of like that that uh, video I just said. Like everything is just doubling time speed
1: exponentially multiplying.
0: Yeah, so it's like I think that what we could see coming down the pipe, in just from a history standpoint, I think is a wild time. Yeah, and I think, but then it makes you like rethink stuff. Like if you were, you know, giving the the ghost tours could they somehow bring up like where you walk through and actually see like, Oh that, Hey John, that's the guy that actually is the ghost now. Like, but you get to see him back then. And then you like, I don't know. Ask him like, are you still around? He's like, yeah, I'm the ghost. Like <laughs> yeah. imagine if it was like a nonchalant right. thing, but like, yeah, uh, sure. yeah, and he's actually not that spooky. He just, no. he wanted, he wanted to get some food or something. Yeah. I don't know. Like <laughs> it's, it, but it, it's just that idea the of possibilities. That, uh, it's, yeah. it's crazy. It's really crazy. Yeah. so, Matt, any? Uh, we've kind of gone in, you know, we've gone into uh, the the future a little bit, but um, from which again, I just find this stuff. We've super been fun.
1: traveling the Milky Way here. We're,
0: we're going all over the place. Yeah, I mean the milk. Yeah, I, like I, I get lost in like space stuff, and I get lost in like a lot of these like thought provoking things of like, could this all happen? Oh sure. Because you start going like to, like the time travel. Love it. And I think, and that's obviously a way to time travel, but is there? an actual point where people can physically get in the old time machine and they can go back into the age of the dinosaurs and physically be there. I don't know.
1: Yeah, who knows? I but, mean, some people speculate, you know, you want to talk about conspiracy theories. People say that extraterrestrials are actually us traveling back from some distant future, you know, to visit and observe the past. I mean, who knows? But that's that's one thought.
0: It's pretty yeah, it's pretty wild. Do you journal at all? Not too much. No? Do you, because um, obviously you do a lot of research and you do a lot of
1: reading and stuff. Yeah. I didn't know if, have you, like, I do, I do a lot of writing in margins of books. Yeah. <laughs> making notations and that gonna, sort of thing.
0: So, like, when I read, I'm reading a book right now. Actually, I had a couple minutes before you got here and I was just reading and I just, I underline stuff on almost every page or put mm. a note down or jot a thought down. And how often do you go back and reread stuff that you go through?
1: Oh, a lot, a lot. Yeah, because uh, you know when you get to be a certain age, <laughs> you start to lose stuff out out the other side. But no, seriously, I I always like to refresh, and you know, especially uh, sitting dormant during the winter mm-hmm. months. Usually, I, I I like to have a refresher when I go into the tours in the spring, and uh, there's you know different volumes that I brush up on and that sort of thing.
0: And do you so like. Uh- so last year, I made a goal to read a certain amount of books, like a number book. It wasn't yeah. like quality. wasn't anything. It was just like, I'm going to read this many books. And I tried to pick like decent books or books I heard that were recommended or things I was curious in. And then I found that this year I've fallen into I'm reading, I think, just as much. But my book total, like last year I read 60-something books. My book total this year might only be 20 to 20. Like I'd say around 20. But i have a lot of books that i got halfway through that i just stopped because i lost interest or i was like i went through it i'm like you know what i'm not getting as much out of this book as i'd like and based on wherever my interest lies at that point in time i'm going to now pick up this book and start reading it and i find that even though i'm not collecting numbers of finished books i'm finding that i'm able to read stuff i really enjoy and i'm actually enjoying it more than i did last year of trying to get through books Cause then I felt like I was trying to reach a number, and now I feel like my I'm like, and I kind of pivoted about midway through the year, and I'm pulling out books that I've pre, I've already read, and I'm re-skimming through them, and I'm actually re-reading my notes in the books. So I've tried to go a little bit more quality over quantity, meaning like let me just keep dissecting the books that I had, I got a lot of stuff out of, and most of my books aren't like a lot of history books. They're more like, you know, it could be personal development or could be a, a topic that I have interest in or sure. something I use for you know business or life. Um, but I'm finding like going deeper on those books and really trying to understand the topic and really trying to apply the topic versus pulling out something new. And it, you kind of bounce back and forth. Are you that way with history books where you're, you're like, you're like, I could read a large quantity of books or I could go very deep on a select few to the point where I almost can breathe and live what's in those
1: pages. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, on certain topics that I'm researching, I, I just love to do the deep dive. You know, even if it's something that I've reread, you you end up seeming like you're adding more layers to your mm-hmm. understanding or or you know, oh, that's how that was set up. That that's how that building was located on this spot and you know, and then as you find different references that you know, show pictures or or, or things like that. You you start to develop in your head almost like a like a like a visual uh, depiction of of what the city was like at a certain time, or things like that. And you you can utilize that in your tours to kind of paint a a picture for your guests, you know, in their imagination. How how have
0: based on your research? And again, this is speculation, but how different and how similar are thoughts of people from back then to now? Like when you look at the books from the, let's say the 15, 16, 17, 1800s and what they were doing and what their thoughts were and kind of, I mean, obviously you have a cheat, a little bit of a cheat because you can see what their efforts have yielded over time versus what you you feel like today's society would would think or do or decision-making like has there been much change or do you find that like it's pretty similar to how we would think now just given what resources they had at the time
1: well i mean social constructs are always changing in fashion obviously you can mm-hmm. tell changes over time but what you find especially if you start reading old journals and diaries and and things that people kept on a daily basis People are always people. Mm-hmm. You can really relate to some of these folks because they all have the same emotions that you and I have every yep. day. They still, you know, worried about their kids, stressed about their jobs, all those sorts of things. So they still had the same motivating factors. That it's not that far removed.
0: The, so, I, so I'm so i reading, and this is, I, I'll come full circle here on this thought. And I want to sure. hear because you have read both and a lot of history stuff. So the one of the books I'm actually, I'm listening to it because I like listening to like, sometimes history books more as like a story. So yeah. I'm listening to the new Elon Musk book by Walter Isaacson. Now Walter Isaacson has also written some other really high profile, I say high profile, but good bestseller kind of uh, uh, books, including um, Einstein and Steve Jobs and Leonardo da Vinci. And mm. and so he's got, um, I think uh, Ben Franklin, those are kind of his main ones. Um, so I read an article recently of someone that was, Kind of giving a, a review or a critique of, and it's a fairly well-known author, but giving a critique of the book and just kind of giving their opinion. And the opinion on the book was like, "This guy is really good." This Walter Isaacson guy, and sure. and so when you start going through, and I think he was an old editor for Time Magazine or okay. something. He had some. Yep. There was some. He's, he's a fairly well-known um, writer, at least in that sense. So what happened was the uh, I feel like the critique of Elon Musk was very critical, and then he got a lot of praise for, I think it was like the Ben Franklin book. And and not that I'm saying what the opinion, it's this guy's opinion, which is fine, but in my head, I'm like someone that read, because also, I think this is one of the only books, maybe Steve Jobs, where he actually spoke and spent time with the person he was writing about. Sure. Yeah. So when you go back to like a Ben Franklin, and, you
1: you could spend time with him but he wouldn't be saying much.
0: Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, um but if you go back to like a Ben Franklin and were able to walk in his shoes and and talk with him and go to the restaurant and or go to a pub and have a dr- a drink or see him in his office working or ask him his thoughts on something, I'm sure this author would have maybe a more critical view of that because I feel like a lot of people are critical of people That we currently see because we get the good and bad. Where some people from history, I think we put up on a pedestal because what is outstanding is oftentimes what's survived. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, it's like anything else. Well, it would
1: be interesting, like what you had touched on with AI technology. Mm -hmm. You set some computer on a task of looking through literally everything that Franklin ever wrote, his letters, his personal. Build up some sort of AI personality of Franklin that's been generated that you can talk to. And have yeah. an interview based on everything he ever wrote. This was what we think he was like. You yeah. know, that would be amazing.
0: Because I've noticed like stuff in the book with Elon Musk, and I and for the record, like I like Elon Musk. I just like p- people that are innovative and visionary. And like, is he an odd guy? You get I yes, because you got to be if you're <laughs> at that level. Like I just think like you're you're so extreme that anybody that's really on the outlier cusp of anything in life has sacrificed so much. I would put quote normalcy in life, meaning they're just all in on these things that they're gonna be off balance. So that's but the idea is that you're experiencing this guy's extremism, but then you go back to like uh Leonardo da Vinci, like what was his extremism like? Because he wrote autobiographies on both of them. Mm-hmm. But you don't like you could have sat around you're missing with,
1: pieces there.
0: Yeah, but you could have sat around with Ben Franklin again, why he why you're having a couple drinks and he's discussing stuff with work colleagues and your colleagues and you're like, God, that that guy's an idiot. Like, you know, but I mean, right, can right. you can have that or no like, idea. man, he's, he seems like a prick. Yeah. But we just know like all these inventions like, oh my God, he was great and all these great stories where sure. I'm, I'm curious to see because history over time, you either like trash someone or you preserve someone based on what's allowed out. And you got to think like nowadays, it's harder to be uh, PR cover up because because of the internet and connectivity sure. where Back then, if there's something said about Ben Franklin, not yeah. many people would have known about yeah. it, and History. I'm sure he had the way of of, of uh, getting rid of any evidence. Where someone like an Elon Musk, it's like, well, someone said something; and it was even true, but now it's taken as out of context. And now sure. it could be true, and now it makes him look bad. And so I'm, and this has nothing to do with the two gentlemen. It's just more of the idea of like, I feel today's if you know, basically what it comes down to is if you know somebody. I feel you can be overly critical versus someone in history because history... There's a bias there. Correct. And I don't... So that's always why I'm wondering, have you found that with historical books where maybe someone that you have read has sounded like this awesome person and maybe someone more recent times in history like because they've, you know, they might still be living or recently passed You're like, yeah, they're that was kind of a bad person but then i'm like well, was the other person 200 years ago also a bad person just we're getting them in different time periods and contexts based on what what has lived in writing
1: yeah that definitely i mean you could definitely apply that to history Uh, uh, even local history you know you read accounts that people have passed down of certain events that took place and and uh then you read conflicting accounts. You know, history was written by the victors. Yeah. So you start reading things, articles that appeared maybe in a, uh, something to do with the Battle of Plattsburgh that appeared in a British publication or something. And it's a totally different context, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, so it, it all depends. There's definitely a bias there that I I think you would be hard pressed to find in today when people can check and double check sources at the flip of a, you know, of a thumb. Have you read any
0: books from the I'm going to say the Battle of Plattsburgh time just cuz that's a pretty significant point here that were that were written at that time period so they were first hand accounts oh
1: sure absolutely
0: so how are, how do those read versus maybe someone that wrote a book 20 years ago about the battle of plattsburgh
1: well it's it's always best to go back to the first uh, you know first hand accounts mm-hmm. primary sources because people that like i Talk about the ghost stories, people that saw things with their own eyes. I mean, yeah, there might be some degree of embellishment, but for the most part, it's going to be a lot more closer to what took place than somebody recounting an event a hundred years down the line. Um, So there's been a lot of cases where I've found contradictory stuff, you know, that people wrote later on that "Eh, now that we have the internet, you can check multiple sources and maybe it didn't quite happen that way. You know, it, it makes it a lot easier.
0: Yeah, because I, I just because that would be different. Because that'd be like Walter Isaacson, and Elon Musk, versus like someone that might have wrote and you know wrote something with Ben Franklin sitting at the same table, talking to him, following him around, how he you know interacted with employees or interacted yeah. with townspeople. Um, and I'm sure there's there's probably some type of book out there that was written about Ben Franklin when Ben Franklin was still alive. Maybe by himself, I oh, don't know. sure.
1: I mean, people write newspaper articles and yeah. that sort of thing, and sometimes they were critical. I mean, sometimes they said, you know, if, if they had some personal beef, they would print horrible things about people in the newspapers back then.
0: Yeah, and that, that goes back to the human, just being human. Yeah, Like, people sure. have the criticism, people have good, bad, so people, you know, point sure. fingers or take accountability, so... Um,
1: e- Edgar Allan Poe, after he passed away, he had a grudge with this editor, and... Uh, he He slanderized him all up and down after after he died, so there wasn't a lot of people to say no that wasn't the way it was and a lot of what this guy said that was actually falsehoods ended up being recorded in some cases as actual history
0: hm yeah it's it's funny how history works I mean do you take into account any of that when oh, you sure. look at history of like yeah, that human
1: element you always have to
0: yeah, like that person probably could have had a con- like i mean just think about like simple as government now or even like local government when someone has an issue with someone that's, I mean, we see it in Plattsburgh. You have someone that has an issue with someone because they disagree on something and it's like a small petty thing or yeah. whatever. maybe it's a big deal, but whatever. It's just, at the end of the day, it's just like a small little like disagreement. But that could change the course of history based on that person's opinion and how it's reflected generations down the road. Mm-hmm. And obviously, like nowadays, it's probably not going to carry as much length or as much um, depth as it probably did 200 years ago when there was only like one or two opinions that probably came out of that time period. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, I mean, nowadays you go back and be like, what were all the tweets like, you know, back then? And then you kind of have a better, uh, more holistic uh, perspective of how people were saying it. But um, now regarding tech, I want to go back to technology, like technology and history. How has technology helped history? You think maybe in what you do, or do you find that Like, is it better for the internet? Do you find that books are still your best source of information or articles or just letters? I
1: mean, the fact now that you can record things in real time and, uh, you know, you can go on YouTube and watch an event from 20 different angles, you know, whereas in history, you don't quite have that, that luxury. I mean, you can, you can get 20 different descriptions, but maybe you might get, or you
0: get the one still photo of champ when you could have had a whole video, right?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we still haven't gotten that. I don't know, um, but yeah, it's it's definitely a lot different. You got to be a lot more discerning with uh, in regards to history. Whereas today, there's so many primary sources. I mean, just for example, the the mass shooting that has been playing out in in Maine over the last 24 hours. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar, but uh, there were people on TikTok last night posting videos. They could hear the gunfire in the distance. Yeah, they said, "Is this what I think this this is?" You know imagine if that was happening in the revolution, you know, and people were, is there a battle nearby? And they're, they're posting about it in real time. It's, it's crazy. You know, the, the one thing though, that, that makes me wonder people don't make things into hard copy today, like they did back then. Like if you're taking photographs and it's, you know, 1850 that's something that's precious and it's treasured by your family and it's rare and it's handed down Mm -hmm. you know whereas today we're taking hundreds of photos on our cell phones but what happens when that cell phone falls apart in 10 years yeah Uh, i mean nobody's going to go to an antique shop looking through old cell phones you know for old old pictures yeah any there's no hard copy it's just gone into the into the ether
0: i never thought about that yeah yeah i mean you hear that the cloud and stuff what happens if the cloud goes away
1: Yeah, I mean, which could, you know, could happen. Well, technology doesn't stay around forever. Mm -hmm. You know, there's there's stuff that came out 10 years ago that's not supported now. You try and plug it in, it wouldn't work. So it's crazy.
0: Speaking of Ben Franklin, (laughs) do you think like Ben Franklin would have been like tweeting? Like, I would think so. If you take these guys and put them, but I'm just saying, like, in general, if you took people from history and pulled them into today and you're like, Man, George Washington was this like stoic figure and he wanted to do that. And next thing you know, I'm like, oh no, he's doing TikToks. Like, (laughs) because it's in and it's (laughs) popular and his publicist told him to do it because he thought it would be like hip. Like, but I mean, because everybody's It would be interesting for sure. Yeah. And I I would say, like, yeah. Like, if we're, um, like, all the stuff we do now, like, we drive cars, like, he would drive a car. He wouldn't ride a horse. I know it sounds like funny, but when you really try to, when you really pull it in and you put it in perspective, then you're like, And I had this conversation um, last podcast with uh, David, and basically was the idea of like trying to humanize people. So when you think of someone on a pedestal, humanizing them down to the fact of like they do everything, every single thing that we do. Like they put their socks on, they cut their toenails, they brush their teeth. They, you know, and I I use like they, they. I don't know why I'm using toe analogies. They stub their toe, but like all (laughs) these things that. Um, you know, they, they laugh at dumb jokes. They laugh at a stupid meme. Like, and I guarantee you, like going back in time, like those people would just say the same thing. Or if you're intimidated by a person that if you kind of imagine that person as like, at the end of the day, they're, they want to have, they would rather laugh than be like in a serious conversation. They would rather do something fun than possibly work or do like, and you start to humanize the person and it's like, Oh, they're not that scary. And, or if you go back in history, I'm like, yeah, they did some cool things, but there's people nowadays are doing cool things, and they're probably at the same level. It's sure, just they've but, had years of this like aura uh, built around them.
1: Also, it makes me think of what, what's the flip side of that coin. You know, there's lots of villains through history. What if they had access to technology like Absolutely. you know, like 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 an Adolf Hitler or yeah. someone like that? What if they were shooting out uh, you know tweets to their minions and things? You know, it's it's uh, yeah. Our technology is is. Uh, it's got the amazing capacity for good and the amazing capacity for bad in the wrong hands.
0: Yeah, it's 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 weird. Like I said, when you put it, like you tie them both into that, because I think like because obviously you go with the the old adage of like history repeats itself, which is hundred percent true. Oh, so yeah. you're just kind of waiting. Yeah. Like it's different. Like we have technology, but the, the themes of humans will carry on, and that mm-hmm. could happen in twenty years, fifty years, two hundred and fifty years, whatever sure. that might look like. So it's just it, it's. uh You know, I think when people like really dissect like the overall themes of stuff and not just the, like I said, the knee jerk reactions, it's like, okay, there's a lot of entanglement here with how this works. And we've seen this play out before. Maybe, like I said, horse and buggy. Now it's with, you know, electric cars or rocket ships or whatever.
1: It's funny. One of the things I mentioned that people get a kick out of is that, uh, you know, History does repeat itself and a lot of times it's cyclical and people don't, you know, people are kind of shocked by that. For example, here in Plattsburgh, we had a trolley car system. Uh, In fact, the trolleys would have gone right past your front door here on Bridge Street. Uh, It was put in in 1895 and it was ripped out in the late 1920s. So for over 30 years, you could hitch a ride on a Plattsburgh trolley car, take you anywhere you needed to go for between five and 25 cents okay and in today's era of reusable energy renewable energy people were all talking about electric cars like these were electric trolleys over 100 years yeah. ago and they ripped it all out you know so it's funny how the, the history kind of repeats itself
0: um, and, and similarities too. You take like the, like the Clinton County transit buses, mm-hmm. it, the same idea, like public transportation through. And it's like, so the idea hasn't changed. So it's like public and transportation, but it's like how it's being done. So like, that's why if you really go down to like those like basic levels of how things are being done, it's like, you can, you can build off of that and kind of tweak it however you want. Like, mm-hmm. and it, could you give like public, you know, and like it goes back to horse and buggy, but could you do like public, you know, horse rides places like even though it's, it's transportation but it's older i know it's kind of like a weird weird thought because you're going back like you said to electric could you go back to you
1: could go back to electric trolleys i mean some communities have, yeah. have done that just with cutting edge you know clean clean uh electricity and and uh they're going back to this 100 plus year old technology
0: when you see history change, and I'm gonna use the idea of Margaret Street right now. Margaret Street's obviously getting a big facelift. When yeah. and now so you're taking things that are different, and Margaret Street as we know it is gonna look not glitteringly different, it's gonna look slightly different than what we knew even last year. When you see stuff changed, do you like when history modernizes? Does it like tug at your heartstrings when in the and like ah I wish they didn't do that and they kinda of kept the original? Or, like how, how do you feel about change in that regard?
1: Uh, it, it depends. It depends on if it's done in a way that's uh, sensitive to, you know, the context and the surroundings and the, the historical significance, or if it's done in just some kind of willy nilly, you know, for example, when they built the, the Arnie Pavone parking lot, Mm -hmm. a lot of people had no idea, but the original, um, uh, curbing granite curbing from the Witherell hotel, which was built just after the civil war was still there beside the sidewalk. It was in the grass, but the curbing was still there. They ripped that all out with heavy equipment and threw it in the back of a dump truck and built a parking lot. Like no regard was given because they had no clue. They Mm -hmm. didn't know what that was. It was just some rocks and they just dug it up, you know? So I, I think in a lot of cases, it's better to slow down and take stock of what kind of inheritance we have before it's, wiped clean you know what i mean yeah
0: it, it's it's tough because again I, that goes back to i mean you obviously have an appreciation for history and like i think some people now we get to, like even if it's maybe not history to us but maybe it's more nostalgia of like sure. i remember it that way and when then it gets changed it kind of messes with us because that's what we knew
1: mm-hmm. but
0: if we go back to like you said back with the trail, uh, the the trolley cars that gets ripped out in the 1930s i don't care about it but the people back in 1930 probably cared about it mm. because it was part of their history or part of their nostalgia. So it's it's always – it's that's where I kind of go back to like it's always tough with change because some people want to yeah. like hold on to it. But I think they hold on to it because it's something they value or it's something that's con, um, consistent or um, – and again, if it's something that came when you were a child, could you have equated that to maybe memories with your parents or memories with friends or whatever versus – Like you mentioned Catherine Gardens like my wife went to Seton so she has memories of Seton like even though it's the same building it's been totally redone so her thing of like changing it would be like ah but like there goes my science classroom in the hallway in the cafeteria in the gym and so there's a different level where if that got changed, I'm like, I don't care because I never want to see it. And so like, I don't mm-hmm. care if that building gets changed, like modernize it because it makes a better use than what it was. Yeah. But I, I totally get it. Like and being know, a Shazzy guy, you hear about the old school. The old like, school. The my my, my the-
1: dad and my grandfather both went there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny the, the, the guy that actually coined the term nostalgia, <clears throat> the, the, the scientist or whatever he was that coined the term, he actually originally came up with that concept as a mental disorder. This fixation and this longing for the past, you know, he didn't quite understand it, you know, and he thought it was a mental disorder.
0: Uh, I mean, it's definitely a mental thing, but it's a mental thing of, I would assume, like some level of, like some level of loss, right? Because, I mean, people talk about most people have stronger emotions to losing something than they do to gaining something. Meaning, sure. or stronger feelings, yeah, towards they don't wanna lose something versus they'd rather gain something. Yeah, And I, I mean, there was a good, uh, I'm actually reading a book and they talk about getting rid of clothes. And Getting rid of clothes is often hard for people because they build up this like whatever for it. And they said that if you said to get rid of clothes you already have, that's harder to do than if I said, you can pick out any new clothes or outfit you want. You'd be like, yeah, but I don't wanna get rid of the clothes I have. And it doesn't really make any sense because you can get like well, you can get brand new clothes that are more in style and they're, you know, maybe fit you better or or are better at, you know, I want to say technology, but like have evolved from style. Yeah. But you don't like, want to no. wear
1: something from nineteen seventy five. Yeah, you know, but like, but
0: I want to keep my 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 high school soccer championship shirt. But yeah.
1: it's like yeah, but you can get
0: rid of that and you can get like a really cool, like high quality you know, whatever modern fabric material shirt that looks way better, performs way better, cleaner, what all these million things like, yeah, but I don't want to lose that. And I think most people would probably have that argument or have that would have a harder time getting rid of those, those old outfits versus something that I'm like, you could get this tailored to you and you'll look great in it and it'll be so comfortable. But I I think that's because it's a loss of something you have. So
1: some say that those, those fixations, those human attachments to objects, uh, can actually lead to, uh, Hauntings, in a sense, okay, because people put their energy into an object, you know, or, okay. or they fixate on an object to the point where it actually has some, you know, some uh, of their energy attached to it in some way. And and some people believe that there are actually haunted items, you know, like if you bring something into your house that has some former owner's attachment to it, that it maybe it has some, you know, some bad mojo associated with it.
0: Yeah, I try, I, I try not to get fixated on too many, th- especially as I've gotten older. I'm sure, I, I guarantee you there's probably still stuff. If I went through like my parents' house and found old stuff, I'd be like, oh my God, because like it's pulled at you. But I think like recently, most stuff I could probably get rid of because I try not to have an attachment to things. Right, right. Um, certain things, yes, like if it's in, super important to me, mostly now it has to do with my kids or um, not a whole lot with. I know it sounds weird, not a whole lot with my wife because we kind of experienced at the same time, but like kids to me are different. Um, like I don't value really any photo of my wife where I'd be like, you know, crushed if I lost it or something. But if I like lost a picture of my kids forever, like that would, that would sting me more, which is, but again, it's kind of like a, uh, it's a, it's an example of a loss versus a gain thing, which is, um, I don't know. It's, it's like a weird, it's just weird concepts. Um, but I think yeah, I think nostalgias it's all mental, I mean, yes, yeah, sure but, but again, your mental s- drives your physical and so it's like it's tough. um last question I want to ask you before we wrap this up. Sure. Have you started a podcast yet? <laughs> I know I bring You've this asked up every me that time. Like
1: two years in a row. Yeah, no, not yet. Is but, it? it
0: uh, is it something? I mean, it's something you don't. You're not really into. No, I definitely. I like you I mean, crush it, podcast. If, if
1: there's anything I can do, it's talk. So <laughs> I would. I would love to. Uh, I, I do something. I think like that.
0: every time you come on, I'm just gonna bug you because I'm like, if you go into like the winter and it's a slower time, yeah, and you just start yeah, yeah. doing this. It's like, and. I go with... Have you ever... I mean, I think we talked about this before, but Hardcore History with Dan Carlin. Have I've you, heard
1: some episodes of that. But yep. I mean,
0: I, I don't know how many he puts out, but I mean, there's not a lot, but now he's got a group of people that help him help him with it. Mm-hmm. But even if you're like, I'm just going to dive into something and put out one really long episode a, a month and do it for like six months. And then you could dr- like put a couple little small like little factoids in there. But like, I think just like a... I don't know. I still think if you do like a... A multi-part ten-hour episode based on one specific thing. Do a and,
1: deep dive. I mean, deep yeah. dive
0: where it takes you a month just to get a bunch of stuff. and doesn't have to. It's not like you're doing a live presentation. You could like, you could plan it out. Like, I'm going to talk about these ten stories on this section of the pot of this podcast, and then put out like a longer form thing and try to do like one every month or two. But yeah, it's like a it, really thought out.
1: It's a great concept because there's plenty of stuff that I get sucked into that are just fascinating yeah. topics that I never have a chance to talk to about on the tours yeah. or, or to an audience. So it would definitely be a good outlet for that.
0: Yeah, I just think you'd be good because you got a good – obviously, I mean – like what you do in front of people is actually harder than talking in a mic. But I'm saying, <laughs> but you can do that so well that it's such an easy transition. It's, it's less, not like you're going less from drunk people. Yeah, yeah. it's well, so also like you're not. People. Like I would say, just talking in a room by yourself to a mic is less like nerve wracking than I got to public speak in front of a bunch of people and like like we talked about like watching people and sure because
1: kind of, you're you're doing. Multiple rules. Oh, you are multitasking yeah. all the time. and there's
0: stuff on your head that people don't even know about. Like, mm-hmm. you're, like, are people following along? Are they talking? Is anybody, everybody staying safe? Is like, you yeah. know, is there
1: arranging co- the crowd when you stop so that everybody can see and hear you. Yeah, yeah all that. You know, a lot yeah. of, a lot of different variables.
0: I, yeah, I, I just, I, I still think a podcast would kill it because you, again, you got a big following, and I think just like putting that out there. Because you put something out there at one point about a podcast, and I think it was yeah. a lot of people were like, "You we should do it." And <laughs> mm, I still, yeah. I'm still gonna, I'm still gonna uh, annoy you every time you come on. It's like, is that podcast up and running yet? I just think it's fascinating, especially if you, you know, you pick little pockets either locally or you know, even going out regionally or even just in general. Just being, I'm going to talk about who know the Wright brothers, like you said, yeah. and you just the know paranormal, about. yeah, <laughs> or even just that because people love that kind oh, of stuff. Oh my god, or, yeah, th- or thematically like, but. Um, yeah, that's it. That's my last. That's my that's my plea of 2023 for you to start a podcast. <laughs> all right. Um, all right. and uh, Matt, anything else you want to a plug? I know um, this should be out either later today or tomorrow, so it should be pretty still before Halloween.
1: Yeah, still plenty of opportunities to jump on one of our ghost tours uh, before the big day, all Hallows Eve. We've got. Uh, Jeez, tours coming up Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday before the big day, and I think we're doing at least two or three tours a night, so plenty of opportunity, Um, but don't wait, uh, because they usually do fill up, um, and uh, it's always fun to see people come out and uh, experience, oh, what's lurking in your own backyard.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Matt, always a pleasure. And like I said, I appreciate you fitting the time in right before um, this is basically the Super Bowl of, of your year. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I appreciate you giving us the time. And uh, but again, folks, we'll put some stuff in the show notes. But Matt Boyer, tour director, Greater Adir- Greater Adirondack Ghosts and Tour Company, um, episode two forty eight. I did say before we went on, I said twenty four seven. That was last podcast. Which was that? <laughs> We've been kind of like, a, but two. Uh, actually, two times two doubled is four. Four doubled is eight. There you go. 248. I don't know. That's weird math, but that's it. Episode 248, Galen Trombley Show. We're out. Thank you for listening to the Galen Trombley Show. Be sure to subscribe, review, and share the episode. You can follow me on all social platforms at Galen Trombley. Thanks for listening.